Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello everyone, welcome back to Ausbids Live from our Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call. Great to have your company on this Wednesday. 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour on this Wednesday, the 8th of February. Let's bring in the panel. We've got the Whisperer and the Professor, Andrew Island <laughs> from DP Wealth Advisory, aka the ETF Whisperer. And the Professor Henry Jennings remark us today. Chaps, good afternoon to you both. Ready for a cracking hour? Certainly are. It's the highlight of my week. (laughs) (laughs) The highlight of his week. Um, And, you know, a lot happens in Toowoomba, so that's really uh, a big deal for it to be the highlight of Andrew's week. Hey, uh, let's get straight into it because these two always have a lot of great stuff to say. Uh, this half hour, we're going to be talking about Megaport, uh, the Vanek MSCI International Quality ETF for the Whisperer, also the BetaShares Geared Australian Equity Fund. Uh, People In gets a run this half hour and Sonic Healthcare, stock of the day, which I pick, um, standout today, Boral, um, the uh, building supply, bu- building material supplier. Um, jumped today after a post of 53% rise in net profit after tax in the half year, uh, supported by revenues 1.68 billion despite the solid result. Uh, the board has opted to not pay an interim dividend. Um, chief executive or new uh, chief executive, Vic Bansell, said he was pleased with the results given the challenging inflationary and operating environment, but the company is capable of much more. Talking up big, Borrell said it expects earnings for the second half to be broadly in line with the first half result. Uh, Whisperer, what did you think of the uh, Borrell result? Shares up 11% today. Of course, if you're a seven group holding shareholder, you'll get the benefit of that because you're the biggest shareholder in Borrell. Yeah, Koshi, it was a, a far better result than what the market was expecting. Mm. And to your point, uh, it's hard to bet against the Stokes family. Um, you know, they were quite opportunistic going in there and acquiring, what have they got, about 70-odd percent of that business now, yeah. uh, installing a new CEO, uh, who, uh, albeit early, and I'm sure a lot of the work had been done previously, but certainly riding on the coattails of the, the work done. And I think the market in particular really liking that cost control message, and there was quite a definitive statement at the end of that release saying there will be no price erosion uh, for borrowers. So in other words, you know, despite there being inflationary pressures, not seeing any of that margin pressure. So I think the market really sort of took to that. Prior to the result, consensus for borrowers was around 345. And generally what you will see is because it was such a strong beat, the next couple of days you will find analysts actually trying to play catch up. 
putting in these sort of uh, better numbers into their uh, system, into their forecasts, and therefore you would expect there to be even potentially a little bit more upside. So short term as a momentum trader, there's probably a little bit more in it. Uh, but equally so, it's a pretty challenging macro environment that we're operating in at the moment. We just got, uh, what, interest rate rise number nine. Uh, certainly 10 is around the corner for March, and who knows, maybe even 11 for April. And what will that do to housing demand? So macro environment challenging, but short term, uh, if you're a momentum trader, you would buy it, Koshi. Right, okay. So, okay, momentum trader for a buyer, but for an ordinary investor, I, I, again, I think, you know, my famous saying, one of my famous sayings in Andrewism, you might say, Koshi, it takes two or three days for good or bad news to wash through a company. So I would probably, if I was sort of a, a humble long-term investor, I'd wait for a pullback and that would be the opportunity right. to get set. But, um, but hold it if you're in business. it. Hold it if you're in it. Right. Uh, Henry, what do you reckon of the uh, borers and the company? James Hardy has been a bit... Uh, more favoured in that space over the last couple of months? Um, yeah, I was a big fan of James Hardy. It's been, go of course, it is very much more geared to the US than Borrell is. So uh, maybe that's the reason. But uh, it's an interesting result, I guess. Uh, the new CEO managing to uh, do uh, both ends of the scale, in effect, by raising prices. And we've got more prices to come, more price rises to come in the cement, asphalt, and quarrying products. Uh, clearly, they have pricing power and cost discipline as well. No interim dividend, I guess, Kerry Stokes doesn't need the money. He owns 73% of this one. So uh, they're keeping their powder dry in that respect. But I thought the comment from uh, the new CEO, Vic Bansell, talking about the nine interest rates so far from the RBA have, hadn't crimped demand by customers yet. And clearly, you know, being a dominant player in that space, they do have pricing power. I guess... You know, at these kind of levels, it is definitely a hold. And as Andrew says, yeah. it will take a little while for it to uh, to move through the market in terms of upgrades. And I suspect we'll get some upgrades. But bear in mind that 73% is locked up. So there's not an awful lot of free float there. So it doesn't take much to get it rocking and rolling. I guess the, the, the takeaway for me is what does that mean for others in the sector? What does that yeah. mean for CSR? What does that mean for Adbri? What does that mean for brickworks in terms of cement pricing, in terms of mm. plasterboard pricing, in terms of their ability to pass on the inflationary pressures that they're seeing to customers? And at the end of the day, the customers may just say, you know what, we've got no choice. Okay. We're just going to yeah. have to pay the price because, you know, where, where else do you go? That, that is the, uh, the question. So um, I think it's probably a sign for the sector. I think the, a good uh, sign. The, you know, I think it is a good sign. Mm. Yes, at the moment, you know, we're not seeing the demand being hit by uh, Mambo number five, or as Andrew says, the RBA number nine. But we're not seeing that demand be hit yet. Of course, the the mortgage cliff is coming. Yeah. Uh, in some respects, it's a bit like uh, Ava Gardner and Gregory Peck standing on the beach in 1950s Melbourne and looking at that radiation cloud that's coming over the horizon as the submarine taps away um, with, uh, with its uh, Morse code-like signal. So, you know, we know it's coming. It's just a question of how bad it is when it hits. Right. Um, but certainly from those borrow results, you know, it does seem pricing power and cost control is the key to it. Let's see if the others can do the same. Yeah. Professor's right into it from the very start of the program. 
with the uh, <laughs> analogies. That, that, that's fantastic. Andrew, impressive. I'm in, yeah, I'm in lots of trouble, Koshi, if that's what he's starting with. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> pick, up, pick up your act. All right, let's get into the stocks that uh, you want us to take a look at. Henry, David wants a view on Megaport, uh, the big data centre group. David says, I believe the market sell-off is overdone. Am I right? Oh, David, the supreme optimist. Uh, David is the supreme optimist. I actually uh, recommended this as a uh, as a buy on a rival media uh, platform, um, and then it promptly drops twenty five percent after yeah. uh, it updated the market yeah. with its business yeah, uh, at the moment. All, all the fault of the other media platform. Exactly, exactly. I should never go How on can other you trust media them? platforms. Yeah. can't exactly. trust them. Can't, no, uh, no. Uh, to be honest, you know, I was taken out of context. It was, you know, <laughs> I was I was edited badly and uh, taken yes. well and truly out of context. Did yeah. I say buy? No, I think I said yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess, I guess the, uh, the the problem with this one is it it just disappointed and it disappointed big time in terms of its uh, it, the growth, uh, especially there. Bevan Slattery is a smart man. Now he was selling shares uh, last year. And you kind of now, in hindsight, realise why he was selling shares. Um, there are a lot of people still that are bullish on this stock. I have to say, when you look around the analysts, uh, you know, you've still got price targets. Uh, for instance, Net, I think, are out there. Um, there's a quote from the castle that comes to mind about jousting sticks and dreaming. But they've got a price target on this one of 15 bucks, And it's six and that, at the moment. And it's six. I mean, come oh. on, guys. And this, this was a recent update. I mean, really? Um, and they've only got a buy on it. This is what amazes me. You know, if it was six bucks and they had a price target of 15 bucks, this would be the screaming buy. This would, you know what this would be, Koshi? And I'm going to do it. A super buy. <laughs> um, but to, to be completely fair, you know, it's, um, it is a very volatile stock and it has bounced around. After I um, recommended a buy, it went from seven bucks to eight bucks, and then back to five dollars fifty, and it's now back to six bucks. Um, obviously, it is settling down after that business update. I, I think this is a hold here. Uh, mm -hmm. Clearly, Bevan Slattery is one of the attractions here. It is one of our, I guess, go-to tech plays in some respects because we don't have that many. But it has disappointed. And it has disappointed, what, you know, it's not the first time. That's the trouble. Yeah. It's been a bit of a serial disappointment. The last time it did that was, uh, I guess, when we saw that sale of shares uh, back in uh, October. And the stock did drop from 850 back to 550 and then sort of rallied all the way back up again over time. So I'm hoping that in time I will be proved at least not quite so stupid as I was recommending this one. So it is a hold at these levels. Right. Okay, I think I think that's the best that can be said of it at the moment. Yeah, Andrew, what do you think of Megaport? Yeah, market doesn't like disappointment to begin with, and then to be a serial disappointer uh, that's just going to put you in the sin bin. I think it's saving graces, Bevan Slattery, but as the professor says, that rolls off the tongue too easily, doesn't it? As the <laughs> professor says, 
um, <laughs> that uh, Bevan Slattery selling down his holding is yet another negative as well. And when you talk about things like team disruptions and sales weakness, these are all terms that the market doesn't like. There's another company we'll talk about in a minute with another classic line that market doesn't like. Stay tuned. So um, it's it's a hold at best, uh, Koshy. And that chart looks pretty ordinary, but yeah. uh, Bevan Slattery there would probably be the one reason I'd hang in there. Yeah, so if you've you're ridden it down, uh, you're almost at the floor, so uh, you've taken the pain. All right, uh, Whisperer, um, uh, Brady wants to be on the Vanek MSCI International Quality ETF. The one ETF to rule them all, Paul. <laughs> um, so, no, look, Qual's a Well, you have this, don't you? You have this in your... Um, yeah. Super fund, don't you? You're a big fan of this one. The Saran Super Fund, uh, yeah. the the famous Saran Super Fund. It's got its own benchmark, <laughs> uh, and it is a big big holding in the Saran. And what? Why? Why is that? Is it blind faith? Is it because I love uh, Van Eck? I mean, they're they're great guys and girls at Van Eck. But why do I like Qual? So really, if we take it back, quality is a factor. One of the determinants of share price. How do you measure quality? You measure it by things like return on shareholders' funds, you measure it by terms of leverage, and you measure it by terms of growth in revenue. So they're the three things that this ETF is looking at on global companies, high return on equity, stable to falling debt, and steadily increasing earnings. These are what we'd all agree to be quality companies. Right. And so out of a universe of about 1,500-odd companies, 299 as it is at the moment meet that criteria so in particular where there are concerns around recession and hard landings and all that sort of stuff you want to make sure that you have quality companies in your portfolio this etf screens the biggest companies across the world the microsoft's the apples the nvidia's etc but koshi that's probably also its main weakness that these are all quality companies but they're all tech biased or a number of them are tech biased yeah. so if there is concern around valuation with tech companies, which there has been recently, Qual's going to cop it. But if we have a look at Qual relative to its index over the last five years, it's outperformed its index by about 2% per annum. Hmm. So um, big fan of Qual, um, core holding, okay. hard to go past. Okay, so uh, you just buy it, these levels? Yep, and it is a long-term holding. Probably, and I know I'm, I'm holding the professor up, but if you're worried about the dollar, you might look at buying QHAL, which is the hedge version. Oh, so okay. QUAL oh, is the unhedged version. QHAL is the hedge version. Okay. Otherwise, it's a buy. And those big tech stocks have had a ripping 2023 so far. Um, was it Facebook up 50%? Tesla's up 40% or something. Alphabet's up the similar, so they've had a big comeback this year. Um, hopefully, at last, uh, Henry. What do you think of um, an ETF like this? How can I argue with the ETF whisper? This is this is the, the this is the ring. This is you know, Gollum up there in Toowoomba would be saying, "My precious," to this one, very much so. Um, I guess you know, for me, it's. It's a kind of an interesting one. 74% of this is basically US. Yep. Uh, so the US rally in January has been pretty good for Qual. Mm. You've got uh, Microsoft, Apple, uh, NVIDIA, Visa, 
uh, Alphabet as some of their biggest holdings. I guess what is interesting for me at the moment, I mean, it, it, it is a nice conservative one because it does have J&J &J and things like that in there as well. So you're not punting on tech per se, but obviously it is very much geared to US tech stocks. Let's face it, Apple is fi uh, nearly 5%, Microsoft is 5%. I guess what is interesting at the moment is the big AI rush. And we have mm. seen, you know, chat GPT, Yep. Uh, that was sort of kicked off things. Microsoft's got a big investment in that. Now Microsoft's uh, got their Bing um, platform. Their search engine is going to be connected to AI. Google's going AI. Baidu's going AI. You know, every man and his dog is going to be going AI. Uh, God knows what Siri's going to be talking to me about. I, I really <laughs> don't know. I, I'm not that interesting. But uh, that is a, a, an interesting way, I guess, of playing the AI in Microsoft and Apple, but also having the conservative nature of Johnson & Johnson and things like United yeah. Healthcare and v Visa as well. So it, it is a conservative way to play a tech rally uh, to some extent, but it, it does depend on the US holding in there. If, if we see a reversal of that January, um, you know, that January strength, we could see this one come off. So timing is an issue. But I think, you know, as Andrew says, and Andrew is right, let's face it, when it comes to ETFs, he nails it. He is the whisperer. Um, this is a good long-term okay. quality bunch of companies, but it has that kicker at the moment, I guess, that the AI bubble, if we do see a bubble, um, and that's certainly possible as we race against China in yeah. terms of, uh, you know, who can open the pod bay doors, Hal, then, uh, you know, we should see this one do okay. okay. All right. Um, high praise from the professor to the whisperer, which makes me think there could be a zinger uh, following throughout the show. We'll just have to wait. I've, <laughs> I have that feeling the professor is setting the whisperer up. But anyhow, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Andrew Therese, what's a view on uh, BetaShares geared Australian equity uh, returning 14%? Um, and uh, her focus is on income with minimal risk on capital investment. Is this the ETF for her? No. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Let's, let's, you know, even if you, I mean, I'd encourage you to watch the next 41 minutes or to listen to the next 41 minutes, but if you had to stop it there, that does not satisfy this criteria. Right. There's nothing wrong with this ETF. I want to be very clear about this. However, if that's your parameters, and the reason it's a strong no is because this particular ETF, as the name suggests, is using leverage. It's using gearing. Gearing magnifies gains, which is fantastic, but equally so, it also magnifies losses. So as a consequence, if one of your criteria is around that capital stability, capital protection piece, we frankly shouldn't be in any type of shares if that's your parameters, but in particular, any product that's using gearing. So what does this ETF do? Uh, it's by Buda shares, $382 million funds under management. But the MER, the, the fee they charge, is a little bit out there. It's about 0.8 of a percent, but it's important to note what are you getting. They're actually adding some gearing in there for you. So if you think that the Australian market is going to rise, then this is potentially one that you would buy because it's going to give you more zing. Equally so, if you happen to be wrong, 
uh, you're going to cop a, cop a fair bit of pain, you know, potentially up to double the pain that what the market is falling because of the way that the leveraging is working. And the viewer is right relating to the returns it's paid over the last 12 months. I think he said it was about 14%. Yeah. But again, that's a function of the gearing involved. So I would be very cautious if that's your sole purpose, you're chasing dividend and capital stability. This is not the ETF right. or, as I said, frankly, any type of shares. But this Guancoshi you would buy when everyone hates the share market and you think it's turning, whereas if we're in an environment where we're 2% off record highs and there's yes. a bit of noise about interest rates, inflation, etc., I would be uh, a wee bit cautious on this right. one. Right, avoiding it. Okay, is, is there one that fits the criteria? Um, capital stable, income, what would be your, your favourite off the top of your head? Well, I think with due respect, you, you're going to come unstuck with that first question, first comment, which is capital stable, right, yeah. because no share is capital stable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we're if we're playing the game that you're just chasing dividends, yeah. then we're op but we understand there'll be a bit of volatility. Then we're opening the door to VHY from Vanguard, right, or RDV from Russell. But I think you're going to come unstuck with that capital stability piece right. because okay. shares, as you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. last year, Commonwealth Bank grew 40% between their highs and their lows at their extreme. Yeah. So that's yeah. That's a that's good tough. thing. To... Sorry, one last thing, Koshi, and I know we're pushed for time. The other benefit of this particular product is there's no margin calls or anything like that. So, again, if you want to use gearing but you're a bit worried relating to, you know, credit assessments and margin calls and yeah. all that type of thing, this is okay, but lots and lots of volatility. Yeah. Henry? Um, what he said, yep. basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you know, th this is a, uh, a hedge fund that basically gears the market two to one, two and a bit to one. So everything is amplified. It's the ASX 200 turbocharged. Yep. Uh, as Andrew says, there's no margin calls. Another way to achieve the same thing, maybe with some tax benefits as well, uh, although I'm not an accountant, so you have to take that with a pinch of salt from me. But, you know, you could put a margin loan in with the top 10 stocks in the, on the ASX and you would get the benefit of interest rates uh, well, the deductibility of your interest payments. Plus, you will get the benefit of the, the yeah. franking credits involved in that. And if you kept the gearing at the similar level to uh, this uh, ETF at a very, very conservative, say, 40%, you know, you could achieve, achieve something relatively similar. But capital stable, this is not. That no. is for sure. This, okay. this is a hedge fund with leverage. Okay. All right. Matt wants a view, Henry, on uh, People In, PPE. It's uh, basically a recruitment uh, human resources platform um, targeted at the, the healthcare professional services industry. Uh, what do you think of People In? Um, yeah, PPE. Results out on 17th of February, so we are in a reporting season, of course. It's pretty much gone nowhere. The company says uh, that it has been uh, misunderstood. Uh, and they're also conducting a strategic review of the business because it has been misunderstood, mispriced by the market. But clearly there are some headwinds in this space because the job market is, is very tight, uh, very strong, and there's not enough people to fill all the ads. Uh, which is part of the problem, I suspect, with this one. So it, it's hard to get excited about it. They just announced a deal with um, Andrew's home state, with TAFE Queensland, uh, which will hopefully uh, kind of, it's an MOU, 
to support organic growth up in Queensland. So that is good, but there's no numbers around that yet. There's not a lot of detail in terms of that one. Uh, the brokers tend to like this. I don't mind it. It's, it's a hold, but it is kind of a, an industry which is suffering because the job market is just too tight, too good. Uh, and I think as this year progresses, as we get more pressure on uh, household budgets, I'm sure that people will be a little more reluctant to move jobs if they, um, they're being pressured elsewhere. Mm. So I think this is a hold at best. I don't like strategic reviews. It's not the most uh, traded in the world either. And uh, I think that, that puts me off too. So okay. it, it's a hold at hold. best. Okay. Andrew, people in? The professor, yeah, sorry, Koshi, the professor has nailed it when he talks about, you know, strategic review. Remember I was just saying before, those little sort of keywords and phrases yes. that you look for at ASX announcements that should get your spidey senses tingling? That's Case it. in point, strategic right. review. Uh, you know, the market misunderstands us. Give us a break. So um, for all the reasons that Henry said relating to tough labour markets, etc., uh, this is a hold at best. P of 16 relative to forecast earnings growth of about 11%. Um, so, yeah, hold, but certainly not a buy. Okay. Uh, Daniel, um, Andrew, Danielle wants a view on Sonic Healthcare, our our biggest medical laboratory pathology operator here in Australia, UK, Germany, and, and Switzerland. Uh, what do you think of uh, Sodic? Made a motto during COVID as they stuck things up our noses and down our throats. <laughs> I'm actually just triggering there for a moment. <laughs> I've got to clarify that in terms. I, I did say in to. terms of COVID. Yes. <laughs> It's okay, Koshi. You're amongst friends. It's okay. You're amongst friends. Yeah. Um, but you're right. They were a big beneficiary of COVID. And that's not a slight. That's just yeah. truth. You know, when we're trying to test everybody and keep everyone safe, they did a great job. Big beneficiary. However, now that, you know, things are coming back to normal, uh, they're therefore no longer such a big beneficiary. And I think the, the share price is sort of reflecting that. Um, if you look at its performance over the last five years, it's up about 8% per annum, which is pretty much bang in line with the market. And it's trading, what, about 10% below consensus. Consensus is about 34 bucks. I note that both the chair and the CEO have also been buying shares, which again, as you know, is one of my little measures as to if insiders are buying, that's a, that's a, a good sign. But in Australia, we're pretty lucky in that healthcare choice. As in, as an investor, we're spoilt for choice. And I'm mm. not talking about ETFs. I'll take the ETF hat off for a moment. You know, you've got things like um, CSL, you've got Cochlear, you've got ResMed. Dare I bring it, um, Fisher & Paykel in, even though they're not from here, but they're still listed here. You know, we have such a great choice, PME, ProMedicus, more recently. And so as an investor, would I buy CSL versus this? I'd buy CSL every day of the week versus yep. this. Not that they're comparable, but for healthcare exposure. So um, there's no real driver for the business. So I'm a hold. Okay. Uh, Henry? Uh, I learned a new term, Koshi, uh, a week or so ago, oh. B-A-U, mm. which I hadn't really come across. And I guess this sums up this company to some extent. <laughs> Business as usual, <laughs> yeah. Business as usual, yes. I didn't know that. Um, it just shows you how dumb I am. But anyway, um, I guess that the problem with Sonic is what is business as usual? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, business during COVID was pretty darn good. 
before COVID, uh, we saw Sonic was a pretty big, uh, big draw card in the healthcare space. The thing that worries me, there's a couple of things that worry me about Sonic. Actually, there's three things that worry me about Sonic, and I'll tell you what they are. Uh, we could be heading for an economic slowdown. So the propensity of people to shell out big bucks for pathology uh, and tests and those sorts of things uh, does tend to, uh, to wane a little bit, perhaps. We've also got a, a Labour government, a new Labour government, who are intent on fixing Medicare. Um, and all the issues that surround that. I'm not a, an expert on Medicare, but you know that certainly pathology is part of that equation because that can be an expensive part of that equation. And also, I think you know we have a market that is very over-serviced in the pathology space. I think there should be some consolidation. There does seem to be an yeah. awful lot of pathology labs around. So, you know, business as usual for this one is a little murky post-COVID. And I think until I see uh, some evidence of how the Medicare debate and how the, the changes to Medicare, I know they'll probably take forever and there'll all be a white paper and a government committee and all this sort of stuff. But at some stage, you know, things will um, change and maybe they'll win, maybe they'll lose from this. But for me, there is a risk out there. The, the market's telling you that, you know, this stock was yeah. 46 bucks. Uh, back in January 2022, and here we are a year and a bit later, and it's $29.30. So the market's been telling you there's a problem here, and uh, it's not just about coming off the COVID high. We're not just surfing back down the wave uh, towards the beach. There could be some shallows here that we're not really sure about. So for me, it's it's not really on my radar at the moment. There's okay. other stocks in the healthcare space that I would prefer, as Andrew rightly says. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Uh, just that five-year chart showed its share price is back to its business as usual level uh, yeah. before before the COVID sell-off in uh, March yeah. 2020. So yeah. that's exactly what you're saying. All right, let's yeah. uh, let's recap the first five stocks stock of the day. Uh, Boral on those uh, good results. It's up. Um, just come came on the ticker then. Uh, up 11% today, um, um, and Seven Group, its biggest shareholders, up 6% as a result of it, but a hold from both Andrew and Henry. Uh, Megaport, a hold from both as well. Uh, Qual um, is uh, a buy from both of them. Uh, the Beta Geared Australian Equity Fund, a no from both. Uh, people in a hold at best from uh, both Andrew and Henry, and Sonic, a hold from Henry, uh, a hold from Andrew, rather, and a no from Henry. Uh, here at the call, we're tracking our own high conviction fantasy fund as picked by the investment committee, of which uh, Henry is part of it. Latest episode of the committee meeting, the February committee meeting, is up on the platform now, osbiz.com. Um, going into February, Aristocrat and JB Hi-Fi were removed from the fund. Uh, Paradigm and New Century Resources were both added, plus BHP, CSL and Boss Energy weightings were increased. Let's see how the portfolio is performing since the 1st of March last year. It is up 14%. So keep sending in your requests for the call uh, because that's the first filter that gets to the investment committee plus this.
At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All of January, we had Super Buy. Now in February, it is Supercell. Absolutely. If any of our experts on the call disagree with the stock in the call's fantasy portfolio, they can say Supercell. And it comes straight back to the investment committee. All of February, exclusive on Ausbiz, you don't want to miss it. All right, Whisperer, it's all on you. The professor can't have a go in here because he, he picks the portfolio. So is there one stock in the current portfolio that you vehemently disagree with that should not be there and you want it out? Vehement is a bit harsh. I, the, what, how I was going to frame it was I noticed that we got Sol Pats at what, 6.2%? Yes. And I see we have, as an example, more Sol Pats than we have Macquarie Bank. Right. Or Wes Farmers or Seven Group. And I'm just thinking it's a bit too high. I mean, I'd be happy with 3%. So it's not a super sell. It all needs to go, but I think you've got too much of it. Okay. All right. So rather than a supercell, a tinkering. A, a super tinker. A, a super tinker. All right. That's <laughs> uh, a look at the professor. Take care. Here, the professor's thought bubble is telling me he's dreaming. No, no, not at all. all I, right. just, I just wish I'd had a supercell on elders. <laughs> what a dog. <laughs> and that was my idea. <laughs> I know, but you reinforced it in the investment committee meeting. I've, I've You've stuck it with a it. Number of time. I know. I know. Go nowhere. Talk about stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Let's check out this half hour of what we're going to be covering: medical developments, Charter Hall, Panoramic Resources, Silk Laser, and like a podium. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. So a really interesting mix there. Uh, Henry, Peter wants a view on medical developments, the uh, pain management uh, or pharmaceutical company, drugs in pain management, asthma. Uh, it's in medical veterinary equipment as well. Famous for its uh, producing Penthrox, the, uh, the green whistle pain management that paramedics use. Uh, what do you think of medical developments? Um, yeah, I mean, it is famous, isn't it? The Green Whistle. They yep. got knocked back in China. Uh, they've abandoned their plans for their clinical trials in China. Not one of their priorities, they say at the moment. Their priority definitely is the, is the US, let's face it. Uh, as most biotechs or most medical devices companies are, it is the promised land. It is the nirvana of uh, medical science in terms of revenue opportunities. It's, it's a very big market. And if you can crack the US, then you are home and host. Um, they've got advanced, uh, they're advancing the th phase three trial preparations in America. And they're also preparing for expansion in uh, some of the European countries, Germany, Italy, and Spain as well. Um, and of course, they want to increase the penetration uh, that they see 
in Australian emergency departments. I, I have to say that you know the chart is not looking exactly flash. Um, the volumes are not looking exactly flash. It's a $125 million market cap. If, if it can get the, uh, the phase three approvals in the US, which will take some time, then obviously there's some significant upside there. But for the time being, I can't see an awful mm. lot of reasons to be there, to be quite honest. Um, you know, sometimes we get caught in the trap, as uh, Elvis would say, that um, and we can't get out because we are sort of convinced about the the wonderful uh, benefits to society of some of these biotechs, and it, it touches our hearts, it touches um, our, our wallets as well. And sometimes the wallet suffers, and the heart thinks it's doing the right thing. So for me, at the moment, I think it, it's a hold at best. Oh, uh, U.S. is the key, um, but you know, I, I wouldn't be in that one. There's, there's, you know, we've discussed better medical or biotech companies yeah. in the past. I think there are better ones than the Green Whistle guys. Yeah. Andrew, what's your view? Similar? Yeah, not not good. I was just looking at that chart before and it's a sad, sad, sad looking chart. Um, down 28% per annum over the last five years. And you might recall earlier we said over that same period of time, the ASX up 8% yeah. per annum. Jeez. So, you know, it's been a true wealth destroyer um, in particular, those who were lucky enough to participate in that capital raising that they did at $6.50, um, they in particular would be feeling a little bit unhappy at the moment. So I can think of lots of reasons not to be there. Certainly that China news wasn't helpful and the 18 million balance sheet um, impact that that's had. Henry's right. If the US takes off, then this will go like a rocket. Um, but there's lots and lots of yeah, the market's telling us there's pain points all all about, no pun intended, so it's a hold at best. Yeah. yeah, and as you've both pointed out, we have some really good healthcare stocks <laughs> out there. If, if you want exposure to that sector, there are some beauties out there. Um, yeah. and, and if you want a smaller one, like Paradigm went into the, uh, um, the um, fantasy portfolio in the investment committee meeting too, which is... Um, another interesting healthcare stocks on a different scale to the CSLs and the Resmeds and the like. All right, um, Alan wants a view, Andrew, on Charter Hall. Alan's saying, with interest rates about to rise again and continue rising, um, I'm interested in Charter Hall. Of course, the, the manager, this is the management company, isn't it, uh, that runs all the REITs. Correct, so they're standing there clipping the ticket the management fees as such, and there's about 70 odd billion dollars worth of uh, properties or funds that they have under management, Koshi. So that's a fair bit of ticket clipping, um, mm. which reflects the $6.9 billion market capitalization. And those funds, they're listed, they're unlisted across a whole range of asset classes within property, office, resi, retail, industrial. But they've got some really good uh, tenants too, you know, the federal government, Wesfarms, Coles, Woolies, Telstra. So if you're trying to get exposure to property, um, but you don't necessarily want the underlying funds, and some of these funds are somewhat illiquid, you can get exposure to the management company, which is in essence, as we said, clipping the ticket along the way. Um, its return on assets is very strong. It's about a 20% plus return on assets relative to the rest of the peer group. It's one of my favorite REITs. My favorite REIT or listed property trust um, is Goodman. 
but certainly this is a very strong second. So yeah, very comfortable with Charter Hall. Listed property trusts or REITs have been under a fair bit of pressure the last 12 months. They've had a bit of a rebound the last month or so. Uh, so if you're looking at building a sub-portfolio of REITs, then certainly uh, Goodman Group and Charter Hall, and Charter Hall in particular, should be part of your mix. Okay, so, so a buy for Charter Hall. Um, is, it, is Ian right to, to link it to interest rates? Absolutely, because by virtue of the valuations uh, for these property trusts, by virtue of the gearing that these property yep. trusts have, but the flip side, of course, Koshi, is that a lot of these property trusts, the rents are inflation adjusted. Yes. So, you know, they, there's an uplift in inflation, which helps defray that interest cost. Yep. So that in itself should be a net neutral. But, um, yeah, mm. no, I, okay. I really like Charter yep. Hall for its diversification. Uh, Henry, are you as big a fan? Um, I'm as maybe not as big a fan as Andrew. Um, obviously, they've had a big run in January off the lows for this whole sector on, on the on the basis that maybe the RBA was going to pause or you know we're going to see the the end of the tunnel in sight uh, and that uh, light shining brightly for interest rates. But that doesn't seem to be the case. So it did come off uh, when we saw the RBA raise rates and we did see. Um, Phil Lowe get a little bit more hawkish. So that's a negative. They have just revalued their property portfolio. They've got $73 billion funds under management. Uh, and the great thing, and we know that there are three important things in property, let's face it. There's position, position, position. Now, these guys, and as Andrew says, uh, Goodman Group as well, they have got the best spots. And the likes of Bunnings or Coles or Woolies or, or the government's not going to move because the rent's going up. They're just going to have to suck it up, I'm afraid. It's all about pricing power. You're not going to move your coals out of your premium shopping centre because the uh, the rent's going up. And some of them, as Andrew rightly points out, are inflation adjusted. So all positive. I think sentiment will run against it a little bit, perhaps in the short term, because of what the RBA did yesterday and Phil Lowe's hawkish tone. But it has run hard. It is quality. If you're going to play the REIT sector, this is one of the ones to have. I think Goodman Group is the other one that has done well and will continue to do well. And over the long term, these guys, quality management, they know what they're doing, good diversification, and uh, there's no problem with this. You could just be cute and try and time it a little bit more uh, towards the sort of 13 buck level. But ultimately, longer term, you know, at some stage we know rates will come down again and these things will be back in favour. And, you know, they'll push back up towards the 20 buck right. level. So. Um, I, I don't mind accumulating this one on any weakness because of the RBA we saw yesterday. Okay. All right. Um, our next stop is uh, a resource stock, and Len wants a view. Uh, Henry on Panoramic Resources. Um, they've got a nickel project. It's sort of, uh, what do you think of Panoramic? Um, every now and then, I've got to say, Kosh, every now and then I get really keen on Panoramic because of that nickel exposure. They've got the Savannah project. The, the key yeah. to it is. Um, this is a, a reopening of a mothballed project. So they have got it reopened. They are producing now, um, but it has missed the um, sort of the broker's targets in terms of that production outlook. So the key to Panoramic is is twofold, I guess. One is the nickel price, of course, because they are a producer of nickel, so they need that nickel price to bubble away, and it has been doing relatively well against some of the other commodities, although it is quite volatile. The other key is the ramp up of Savannah as well getting the cost down and getting production up. And at the moment, 
neither of those things appear to be happening uh, in spades, oh. if you pardon the pun. We have seen production uh, underwhelm, and we have seen costs, fuel, freight, all that sort of stuff, um, overwhelm them a little bit. So um, I think it's you know it's a hold because there are very few pure nickel plays. There are very few pure nickel plays that are actually producing. Uh, but clearly there are risks in any mining operation, and the ramp up phase is crucial. You need to get production up to take advantage of the high prices, and you also need to drive the cost down. Until that happens, it will remain in the doldrums to some extent. But um, yes, I, yeah, I think it's okay. it's a it's a hold. I keep looking at it, thinking, you know what? I should probably be buying a few of these. But yeah, every now and then it spurts up, but it's kind of stuck in the sixteen to twenty range, and I don't think that's really going to change. Okay, um, what do you think, uh, Andrew? Henry makes a point. It's great for these uh, miners to talk about opening mines and reopening them and things like that. But the rubber hits the road when you can actually deliver uh, rather than say, oh, well, we've had issues, we've had delays. It's pretty hard to open a mine, isn't it? Oh, there's, and even these days, you know, with the additional environmental uh, guidelines that you have to adhere to, of course, so absolutely, that's a real challenge. Uh, and commodity prices themselves are fickle. Mm. Uh, how long will nickel hold up for? I mean, you'd expect it to hold up for a little bit of time, but, you know, it's been mothballed for a reason because yeah. at some stage the commodity price was uneconomic. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not a huge... I mean, love my BHP and my MinRes and, you know, all those sort of styles of businesses. I tend to be a little bit more cautious on the $300 million nickel producers and those cohorts simply because you're either going to make a lot of money or you're potentially going to lose a lot of money. Again, I come back to if you'd been a shareholder in this over the last five years, you've lost 12% per annum relative to the ASX up 8% per annum. Unfair comparison because, as I said, commodity prices move about, but that's what you're dealing with. Um, looking at it technically, in fact, just as the professor was chatting away, I reckon around 14 and a half, 15 cents because it's bounced off that about four times over the last two years. So that would probably be the buy level. But as Henry's saying, when we're sort of stuck in this 16, 18 cent range, with all the challenges he's outlined, uh, certainly not a buyer. If you're in there, it's a hold, but you know, 14, 14 and a half cents is probably the mark. Okay. All right, let's go from resources to uh, hair removal and cosmetics. And Chris wants a view, Andrew, appropriately, and, and me, uh, on, silk, on silk laser. Uh, they're in non-surgical sort of aesthetic products and services like uh, uh, hair removal, injectable skin treatments, body contouring, fat reduction, that sort of thing. I was about to say, Koshi, just be careful with the hair stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, it's, it's, and I should have said this right at the top of the show, and, and Henry mentioned it before, a lot of these companies are reporting this month. Yeah. So what we're saying now, you could... With due respect, you've got to just be very cautious. Like these guys and girls, as an example, report on the 28th of February. Right. Uh, so they, they could come out and say some amazing numbers and it all changes. Or they could come out with some ordinary numbers and, again, that also. So just keep that in mind with all the ones we spoke about today. However, yeah. um, as, as I'm reading this one, this strikes me as a roll-up. So you might remember we've spoken before about roll-ups where there's a particular thematic 
uh, accounting firms it was about 20 years ago. We've had yeah. vets. Um, In insurance. We've had an eclectic AUB and Steadfast. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we've had an eclectic mix of businesses, really good standalone businesses, but, you know, they may not be strong on HR or marketing or finance or whatever the case may be. A big brother, a big sister comes along, buys them all up and says, look, we'll centralise all that for you. We'll buy you these machines that go bing. We'll get you the right staff because it's hard to find staff. You can operate under our brand and we'll use your geographic footprint in Toowoomba or Geelong or wherever. So roll-up strategy makes sense. I guess, however, though, you then come down to the tic-tacs, the practicalities of it. You've got around... Well, I've run this business this way and all of a sudden someone from head office in Melbourne or Sydney says, but no, we've got to do it this way or you know, I want to advertise the local paper. Well, no, you can't because we've got an advertising account with um, Fairfax or whatever the case may be. So roll-up strategies are tricky because if you don't get those cost efficiencies, you don't um, meet those cultural challenges, then it comes back and bites you. So the PE of seven looks attractive. The forecast earnings growth of 36% per annum looks attractive. The areas in which they operate in, fat loss, uh, follically challenged. You know, this uh, really speaks to um, a number of people. However, I just think there's a lot of risk in the execution side. So I'm happy to stand on the sidelines and watch but I'm not an investor. On okay, this not for you. And and Henry, I suppose uh, a lot of what they do could be seen as a, um, a luxury purchase, non-essential. If we go into a, a tightening economic environment, you get your you know your hair removal on your legs every month rather than every two weeks. I don't know. Uh, uh, yes, I think that's very true, Koshi. And, and you know, for me, uh, like the clinics, there's really no reason for me to be there uh, in this one. And, you know, I'm not going to be going and getting my injectables. I'm not going to... The fat loss does appeal slightly, but I, I don't think that happens overnight, as they say, unfortunately. This one, for me, as you rightly point out, is kind of at the discretionary pointy end, isn't it? Now, yeah. we know, I, you know, in recessions, people do still spend on themselves. And we've seen that... There are certain categories that kind of seem to be immune. Kids, pets, that sort of thing are kind of immune to spending. But I'm not sure this is. You know, I, I know that um, there are an awful lot of people that go for small treats uh, mm. because they don't cost the fortune and they make them feel the a lot better index. about themselves. The lipstick index, yes, yeah. and the whole, you know, getting, I'm not, I don't want to be um, sexist here, but, you know, the whole getting your nails done things. I know my wife, when she goes and gets her nails done, she comes back and she's so happy. Um, you know, it doesn't do the same for me when I get my nails done. They're, they're still rubbish. Um, but this one, I can't really see why you want to be there. Andrew yeah. summed it up in terms of roll-ups. Um, it's culture shock. Uh, they've opened a whole bunch of new clinics. There's integration issues with these clinics. Clearly, you know, the company has a product that is discretionary spending. Some would argue not, but certainly it is discretionary spending. And we're going into a period where you know, the, the pressure on the household budget is greater. Are you going to pop down and get some Botox or are you going to pay the mortgage? Mm. I know which one I think most people would, uh, yeah. would go towards. No, so, right. no, not okay. for me. Like the clinics, not for me. All right. Uh, our final stock today, uh, I don't think we've done on the, the call before. John wants a view. 
Henry, is it Lycopodium, the engine, is that how you pronounce it, uh, engineering project management consultancy, mainly in the resource sector? Yeah, I think it is actually. I think that's how you pronounce things. Um, it is, it's an interesting company, I have to say. And um, I don't actually mind it. You, you know, the resource sector is going pretty well at the moment, let's face it, um, in terms of projects. Uh, this one has been quietly chugling away and pushing a little bit higher. Again, Jeez, the that's volume, a good chart. It's a good four, chart, but 480 to seven bucks in a year. Yeah, the, the, the volume's a bit iffy, I have to say. Right. Uh, market cap around $280 million. Um, good earnings per share. Uh, they've got a good uh, board and management. Uh, got a lot of skin in the game in terms of uh, mm. shares in the company, which is good. Uh, in fact, everything is good about this one. A massive diversity of projects. Awful lot of projects in uh, in Africa, Burkina Faso, the Cote d'Ivoire, places like that. Some of the big uh, Sandfire project, the Motheo, a project in Botswana as well. And they've mm. also got Paladin with the uh, Lager Heinrich project as well. They've got sure. projects everywhere. The, uh, the CEO must be notching up the frequent flyer points like there's no tomorrow flying all over the world keeping an eye on them but th this one i've got to say is is pretty good I, I don't mind this one at all I, I wouldn't go quite so far as go super buy or buy you know buy with your ears pinned back but because of the volume issue the liquidity is a bit of an issue but certainly i think the slow and steady tortoise like um performance this one slow and steady wins the race and oh, uh, i don't mind this okay. one at all certainly a hold and uh, as I say, that diversity of geo geography and style of projects, and clearly the management is on top of things. I think this one is mm. um, is going to continue to push higher. Okay, uh, Whisper the Professor is uh, is finishing on uh, a burst of enthusiasm uh, with the show today with this one. Uh, it's at a five year high. The share price. It's done well. Would you be buying it at these numbers? Yeah, I, I, you know what, I, I tend to uh, agree with the enthusiastic, irascible uh, uh, professor. Um, I, I don't <laughs> mind it. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's not a bad business. And, but, and it's an important but, that we know these businesses are highly cyclical. Highly cyclical. So um, if there is a downturn in resources, they're going to get the rounds of the kitchen. But by virtue, there's a $3.9 billion, billion dollar order book they're working through at the moment, mm. all the projects that Henry just sort of spoke about before. The share register too, Koshi, it's evenly split or pretty much evenly split between retail, wholesale or institutional investors and staff. Where sometimes these come unstuck is it's a retail punting one where mums and dads are just ramping it up. Uh, and there's not a lot of institutional coverage. That's not the case in this particular instance. And around 20 to 30% is owned by staff. So they have a vested interest. They've got skin in the game in keeping things moving along. But the other key issue, which Henry quite rightly pointed out, there's only $60,000 a day traded. Right. So you don't want to be chasing this one. It's a buy and weakness, 675. Just looking at the chart, if you could get it there, I reckon that might be the, the mark. Okay. But I like it a lot. All right, 675 is the target. All right. All right, gents, thank you. Whisperer, always great to catch up. Professor as well. Love the dynamic duo, you two on the call. Appreciate your time. Have a good Thanks, rest guys. of the week. Thanks, Good on you. Um, let's recap the final five stocks. Medical development to hold from both Henry and Andrew. 
uh, Charter Hall, a buy from Andrew, buy on weakness for um, uh, around 13 bucks if you can get it from uh, from Henry. Uh, Panoramic, a hold from Henry and no from Andrew. Uh, Silk Laser, a no from both. Uh, like a podium, uh, both of them like a fair bit. Uh, currently a hold from uh, uh, from Henry, a buy on weakness if you can get around 675. Uh, Andrew would be happy with that. Um, here on um, uh, the call, we take all the suggestions from you, stocks that you want us to cover, for me to put to our expert panel. If you've got a couple of stocks you want us to cover, put them in an email, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiztv handle. Um, if, you, if you want to suggest an expert, that you, in particular, you want their opinion on your stock, just put it in the email and we'll try and line it up for when they are on the panel. A lot of people doing it at the moment. All right, that's it uh, for the call. See you same time tomorrow. The Pulse is next with Andrew Gagan. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.